Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I really don't care about the Super Bowl today. You know, it's kind of become a holiday almost in a lot of people's eyes. One of the ladies, one of the ladies here this morning says she likes Super Bowl Sunday. And I think she, she was hinting at the fact that it's an excuse to eat junk food. You know, have a Super Bowl gathering and just get out all your junk food. I, I am particularly disinterested in it today because, you know, I am from Louisiana, born and raised there, just 80 miles from New Orleans. We was robbed. We was robbed. Now, I'm curious, how many of you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say being from Louisiana, we was robbed? How many of you have no idea? It's okay. I'm not, okay. How many of you do have an idea? And some of you don't know whether you have an idea or not. A lot of you don't know. Whether, uh, I mean, they just had a bad call against them, and they didn't make the Super Bowl, and they feel like they were cheated they feel like they were robbed and but really it doesn't it really doesn't matter now LSU that's a different story I get passionate about them Saints whenever they're winning I jump on the bandwagon whenever they're losing I don't pay attention to them but they were robbed they were robbed but I don't want you to be robbed I really don't I don't want you to be robbed of the blessings of God and if there's one area that it's good to have blessings. It's in our finances. And we need to be thankful today that God understands the importance of money. And we need to understand that God gives in his word numerous principles. And that's what we're looking at today. Today we're looking at first fruits, principles of prosperity from Proverbs. And as we've learned this month or this past month, um, there's the Proverbs has a lot to say about finances and you can, you know we pay financial advisors for their advice and their guidance folks the best place to start for financial advice is the bible and i'm not opposed to financial advisors i mean we've got the dave ramsey thing going on on thursday nights for which i'm very grateful and i'm very happy for those that are attending but you start with the bible And we've looked in Proverbs, and uh, let's review real quick where we've been with Proverbs and what we've learned so far. We've learned so far, number one, that there are some things we should not do financially. And the book of Proverbs laid out things that if you want to be blessed, if you want to prosper, then there are some things you should not be doing. And we identified those things, and if you were guilty of doing any of those, you need to cease and desist immediately. But we also learn from Proverbs number two, there are some things that you should do financially, some things you ought to be doing. And if you're not doing those things, you need to immediately start doing them. And then last week in both the morning and the afternoon service, we said that there were dangers in the unbridled pursuit of riches. Riches in and of themselves are not dangerous, and sometimes the Lord blesses people with an abundance But particularly those people that look to riches thinking that that's the answer to all their problems and uh, 
put forth an effort that is, 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 is uh, uh, out of control just to receive riches, thinking that's the answer to all their problems. There are real dangers there. Now, today we're going to change gears in our final lesson, and we're going to look again to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And for many people, this is the most challenging part of stewardship, if you will. How we handle our finances. This can be the most challenging part. Because this part, as I've said many times in the past, this part is objectively measured. I mean, when you talk about people being good or people being bad or people being moral or immoral, it's kind of hard to measure that objectively. This, you're either given or you're not. You're either obedient or you're not. And that's one of the reasons people get very uncomfortable with this. Because you can't just kind of fluff it off and say, well, I do pretty good. No. No, you're either giving or you're not. And that's one of the reasons people find messages on giving particularly difficult to handle. Because in many cases, they're just guilty. But I want you to understand, I want you blessed. And this is as critical as the other points that we have emphasized so far. God's word is very clear. It's not ambiguous. What does it say? Proverbs 3, verse number 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now that's the requirement. Now here's the blessing. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Let's pray one more time. Dear Lord, as the shepherd of this flock, I desire to see these good people blessed. Or I get no joy, you get no glory when people struggle financially. And sometimes, dear Lord, it's a result of your divine providence as we've studied in the weeks past. But sometimes, Lord, it's because of disobedience, a lack of faith, or a lack of trust. And Lord, that's one of the things that's revealed as to whether we're obedient or not. One of the good things about the objectivity of our giving is it reveals whether we are people of trust and faith or whether we are not. Dear Lord, for any in this room that may struggle in this area of giving, Lord, I pray that you would give them victory today and that they might be in a better position to receive your blessings and to prosper. By that, Lord, we mean having their needs met. Bless our time together this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What do other preachers or commentators say about that verse? Let's look at just a couple. One writer says this concerning this verse. The experience of God's people through the years is distilled into a pithy proverb by the inspired writer. It shows that God's people can count on his blessings, can count on his blessings when we honor him with our offerings. As with all proverbial wisdom, this is not an ironclad rule without exceptions. And what that particular writer is saying, and I think is accurate, is this is a proverb. And and you can count on this proverb being true, and it will work. Yes, you may know of an exception. But let me say this about exceptions. There's usually reasons for exceptions. You may know of somebody and they may tell you, you know, I I give, I give faithfully, and I am struggling still. 
And you might think, well, there goes that proverb. It doesn't work. Well, you don't know what other principles they may be violating that is causing difficulty in that area. Yes, they may be giving to the Lord on Sunday, but they might be out gambling on Friday. They, they might be out making unwise purchases and violating the things they should and should not do. But as a general rule, this does hold true. Another writer said, It's a principle proved through experience and inspired by God. Stewardship is not an attempt to bribe God and ensure our own wealth. It is a committed response to the God who never forgets the need of his people. You don't obey this command by simply thinking that, that, you know, this is my get-rich-quick scheme. No, you just do it because it's right. You, You do it because it's God's word. You do it, again, because you trust him and you have faith in him. Let's look at these two very important verses. Let's analyze them a little bit. Number, let's look in Proverbs chapter 3, the verse part of number 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance. You see, when you come to this church, it's kind of my philosophy is I want to get up in this pulpit and do three things. I want you to know what it says, and we just read it. We know what it says. And now I want you to know what it means, because some people might sometimes have trouble understanding what it actually means. And then thirdly, and this is critical and key, how does it apply to you? How do you make it work? Okay, we know what it says. Now let's look at what does it mean. So let's break it down a little bit. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance. What does that word honor mean? It says, honor the Lord with thy substance. If you don't know, I could ask five people and get five different answers. The word translated honor in Proverbs 3, 9 has to do with weight. To honor someone in this sense means to give the proper weight or respect. Goes on to say the Hebrew word for honor is also the word for glorify. Honoring God with one's wealth is a way to glorify him. It says we're to honor the Lord with our substance. And you should be encouraged to know that you can honor the Lord with your substance. If you have any degree of spiritual maturity in you, then you understand the importance of honoring God and glorifying God. And it should please you that that is an opportunity, another opportunity you have. There's lots of ways we can honor and glorify God. And you should be thrilled as a mature Christian at the opportunity to uh, do all of them. But you should also be equally pleased, even thrilled with the fact that I can also uh, honor him by, by my possessions, by my resources, by my money. That's what it means to honor him. It means to glorify him. And then it says to honor the Lord with, what? with, with thy substance. What does that mean? Well, one writer puts it this way. God God is honored when people give him their first and their best, what the Bible calls the first fruits. To give him what is left over and less than the best does not glorify him and is not worthy of his great name. So when we talk about the substance, it talks about what we receive, whether it be Well, today it's primarily finances. Back then when this was written, it could be finances or it could be produce or it could be, you know, a livestock. You you give that. Um, 
But pretty much today, it's limited to finances and the culture that we live. And that's one of the ways you honor the Lord. That's one of the ways you glorify him is by giving him of your resources, by giving him of your finances. And then it goes on to say, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. The first fruits of all thine increase. Again, let's look at what one writer has to say. This idea of first fruits has to do with the temple practices. We go all the way back to, to Old Testament, uh, uh, the Old Testament Jews, the Hebrews. This idea of first fruits has to do with the temple practices and bringing the first and the best to offer and sacrifice. We don't need the temple anymore. We're in the New Testament. The temple is not a part of our current uh, faith. We don't need the temple anymore, but the principle remains. We're to offer God the first and the best of our wealth in worship. The first fruits. That means when you receive benefits, uh, the blessings of God, you give back to him immediately. When you get your paycheck, you give back to him immediately. You don't wait to the end to see if you have anything left over, then give to him. No, the idea of first fruits is that you give to him immediately. And I don't know why, but I am thankful for it, that this is something that my wife has understood from the day we were married. Not that, I'm, not that I, I don't understand giving or the importance of it, but she has a particular sensitivity to it. You know, some, sometimes I'll, 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 I'll go to speak somewhere and they'll give me a love offering, you know, and on the way home I'm thinking what I can buy. You know, I'm like you, you know, I'm thinking about what I, what I can buy. And, and then and Sharon will be quick to remind me, you know, 10% is going in the offering plate Sunday. She has had that sensitivity from the day we were married. She has it today. You know, and I, you know, I believe in it. I'm all for it, and, and I'm going to give it. But I just appreciate her sensitivity, and she knows that's how she honors the Lord with the first fruits. So back in the Old Testament, that was when you would give to the priest. You might literally bring him a goat or a lamb or, 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 or cattle. But today... We don't bring it to the priest. Today, we honor the Lord with our first fruits by bringing it to what is, you know, his, his essence here on earth today, which is his church. And then it goes on to say this, and this should be encouraging to you. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Again, I like bringing quotes to you. He does not say, thy bags... But thy barns, not thy wardrobe replenish, but thy presses. And he explains, God shall bless thee with an increase of that which is for use, not for show or ornament, for spending and laying out, not for hoarding and laying up. Those that do good with what they have shall have more to do good with. And the Lord blesses you because you're a good person. You're a generous person. You understand the good that's done in a church. And no church is perfect. No pastor is perfect. None of the apostles were perfect. But it's God's will that people give to the church, that they bless the church, and it says that God will bless them. Now, let's consider this. We know what it says. In that little brief description, we have a better understanding of what it means to honor God first fruits, our substance. Now let's look at this. To understand and obey these two verses is to put yourself in a position 
for God to prosper you. And as your pastor, I want to see you prosper. And by prosper, it doesn't necessarily mean wealth. And we went over that last week. And if you weren't here, you can go back and listen online to that. But I think it's necessary in this day and age in which we live, in the culture in which we live, which is such a selfish culture, which is such a narcissistic culture, that a pastor, in order to make this application, has to give you reasons. Because it is a challenge to the average person and to the, particularly the immature Christian, the new Christian, uh, or the struggling Christian. They might say, you know, yeah, I know what it says, and I know I ought to do it, and maybe one of these days I'll do it, but I can't give the first fruits now. I, I have too many bills to pay. I, I can't do that. If I have something left when the bills are paid, I'll put that in the offering plate. That is simply not what Scripture teaches. And I understand the challenge of it. So let me give you some motivation for trusting God. Seven things, seven reasons. It's to your advantage to start living this proverb today. Not waiting till things get better, but today. Number one, it is to your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it's a command. One of the reasons you need to start doing this immediately is because simply it's a command. Obedience is the mother of success and is wedded to safety. Obedience is the mother of success. Maybe you haven't been successful. Maybe you are struggling now because you haven't been obedient to this command. Listen, because it's a command, think about this for a second. It isn't something to think about. It's not something where you do it if you look around and you see everybody else is doing it. It's a command. You don't think about it. It's a command. It would be like a commanding officer calling in a soldier, and he gives him a message. He says, I want you to deliver this to Lieutenant so-and-so and do it pronto right away. Well, General, let me think about it. Let me think about that. You know. Did you ask anybody else to do it? I don't see anybody else delivering messages. You, you, that's absurd. Yeah, that's absurd. And it's equally absurd for us to, uh, to think that we have to think about it or only do it if everyone else is doing it. And let me tell you something, and this may shock you, but if you think about it for a second, it makes perfect sense. This isn't something you have to pray about. Do you have to pray about when God commands you to do something? You might have to pray that God gives you strength to do it, but you don't have to pray about whether you should do it. Okay. Jamie, I need an amen there. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. Okay, you you don't have to pray. This is a command. And one of the reasons you ought to do it, one of the reasons I ought to do it, one of the reasons that Sharon does it, is it's a command. Seven reasons. It's to your advantage to implement this proverb immediately. Number two. It's to your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it is a command contained in the Bible. It's a Bible command. To what greater inspiration and counsel can we turn than to the imperishable truth to be found in the treasure house, the Bible? This is our treasure house. I believe this book is the word of God. I believe it is to my distinct advantage to learn it, love it, and live it. All of it. It's not for me to pick and choose what I want to obey. 
It's not up to me to, to decide whether or not it's popular or not, or even whether I understand it or not. This command is a Bible command. The command that we give, that we give of the first fruits, it's notarized in the Word of God. This command is not from some questionable source. This command is genuine. It is authentic. You dare not, because it is Bible, question it or question the legitimacy of it. I would never do that. What it says about giving, that settles it for me. It's not for me to argue. It's not for me to think about. It's not for me to pray about. It is a command. It is a command contained in the Bible. We may not be able to trust what a lot of things we read today that's out there, a lot of things that we see that's out there today. And we may have good reason to question this. You know, you got fake news, fake this, fake that. This isn't fake. There ain't nothing about it that's fake. And what's stated in Proverbs is for you and me to understand and to live today. It's a command contained in the Bible. Number three. It is to your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it's a command that comes from a legitimate authority. You have to consider who is giving the command. The general give me uh, orders and say, go deliver this message to lieutenant so-and-so. You know, I'm to do that. Another private comes up to me, and I'm a private, and he says, I want you to go do this. I say, go do it yourself. That's not a legitimate authority. This comes from a legitimate authority. Until the will and the affections are brought under the authority of Christ, we have not begun to understand, let alone to accept his lordship. The Lord raised the question, why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? It'd be hypocritical to stand in here and sing songs about your Lord. And at the same time, it'd be so obvious. This is objectively verifiable. There's no doubt either you're obeying this or you're not. And I know that makes us uncomfortable, but that's the truth. You know, just check your, your, your checkbook or your bank statements or your deposits or withdrawals. It'll tell you whether or not you are being faithful here. It's from a legitimate authority. I mean, folks, God is... Omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at once. How does he pull that off? I don't know how he does it. I just know that he does it. He's as much here today as he is in China, the North Pole, or wherever he might be. He is omniscient. He knows everything. Again, how does he do that? I don't know. He knows every thought in this room from every person at the same time. He is omnipotent. There is nothing that he cannot do. I mean, he, is the, he, he has the authority to tell us to do this. And that's very important. It is a command. It is a command from God's word. It is a command that comes from a legitimate authority. Which brings us now to number four. It is to your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it is a command that comes from God who loves us supremely. Therefore, we can trust him supremely. I mean, he comes from, it's a command, from God's word, a legitimate authority, 
But not just any authority. An authority that loves us. That wants the best for you. He's not commanding you to do something that, yes, on the surface in this culture might seem difficult and challenging to do. He is doing it with your best interest in mind. He is doing it, and when you throw in the second verse there, he's doing it with you giving him the opportunity to bless you even more. He that has his trust set upon God does not need to dread anything except the weakening or the paralyzing of that trust. Isn't that a fabulous quote? He that has his trust set upon God does not need to dread anything except the weakening or the paralyzing of that trust. You don't need to dread giving to God. You need to dread not giving to God. That's what you need, because that indicates to you a lack of faith, a lack of trust. That is an objective indicator to you that you lack faith, that you lack trust. That's what you need to dread more than anything in the world. You can trust him supremely, knowing that he loves you. You can trust the wisdom of this command. No disrespect intended at, at all, but God's not a dummy. I, I don't know if I can follow that. I, look for, you can trust his wisdom. He is ultimate wisdom. You can trust the motive of his command. Why does he want me to do this? What is he up to? I can tell you, he is always up to your good and to your benefit. Even when he spanks you, he is up to your good and to your benefit. And you can trust the intention of of this command. Where's he going with this? Not only where's he coming from it with his motive, but his intention. Where's he going with this? He wants to be a blessing to you. Just like we parents. I, it bothers me whenever any of my adult children might be suffering financially because I love them. It pleases me very much when they are blessed. I want them to be blessed. And on occasion, when I can, I try to be a blessing to them. And that's exactly the way the Lord feels about you and what the Lord wants for you. Number five, it is your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it is fitting and proper that we honor God. He says why we do this. You honor God with your substance and the first fruits. You honor him. And that's fitting and proper. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy that we recognize him. You know, we, we, we do that with sports people. We honor them. We honor certain politicians. We honor people who've done heroic deeds. And we're, we're all too happy to honor our, our veterans and, and people who serve our country. And they are well deserving of honor. But there's nobody more deserving of honor than the Lord. And obedience is the evidence of honor. To obey him is the evidence of honor. And I guess the opposite would be true as well. Disobedience would be the evidence of dishonor. Folks, why should we honor him? It's no small thing that he created us. You know, no small thing that we're here because of him, that the universe is here because of him, that everything you can see, think, I mean... 
time and space itself as well as matter. He did it. And then he saved us when we turned on him. When Adam and Eve turned on him and disobeyed him. And we've done the same. Every generation since has done the same thing. And yet he saved us. And not only that, he watches over us. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why should we take advantage of this and to appreciate and live this proverb? Because it's fitting and proper that we should honor God. Number six, it is to your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it is understandable and reasonable that he would ask that we honor him with our substance and our first fruits. It is, it is understandable, it is reasonable for the creator God of the universe and of us individually that he would ask us to honor him with the substance and our first fruits. That is a reasonable request because it accomplishes more than what you think. I mean, when we give to him our substance, our first fruits, it is a demonstration of faith, or it's a demonstration of lack of faith. You know, he knows what he's doing when he asks us to give these things. And it, and it builds our trust. It builds our faith. God is God because he is God. He is worthy of my trust and my obedience. And when you think that he gets so practical to say, okay, when you get your pay- paycheck, first thing is the tithe goes to the church. First thing. Folks, it makes sense because he gave it to us to begin with. You say, I, I, I earned that with the sweat of my brow. Well, where did your brow and the sweat come from? You know, where, where did it come from to begin with? He has the right to tell us what to do with it, and he knows what it will reveal to us about our faith or our lack thereof. And lastly, number seven, it is to your advantage to appreciate and live this proverb because it contains a promise from God of his blessings. I mean, if you need a little encouragement to do something that on the surface in our culture might seem difficult, especially when most other people aren't doing this, there's a promise. And one writer says, a readiness to believe every promise implicitly, to obey every command unhesitatingly, to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God is the only true spirit of Bible study. It leads to obedience, God's blessings. These are blessings that spring from God. He's talking about blessings here, giving them to you that are real and tangible. But he's also talking about blessings that are conditional. Let's conclude with this quote. And this is a good insight and gives you a better perspective of what we're talking about this morning. First fruits doesn't refer to the amount you are to give. That's covered in other places where the Bible talks about the tithe and offerings. Okay, But here it's more of the emphasis on the nature of the gift. To give your first fruits is to give, as we would say, right off the top. The concept of a tithe referred to the amount to be given, namely 10% of the total, and the Bible clearly teaches that. But the first fruits refer to the nature of the gift. That is to say, it answered the question, which 10% should I give? 
Well, if you've been saved any length of time, you know that the Bible teaches that you're to give a tithe, and really it teaches more than that, offerings above the tithe. But this answers the question, okay, which? To those of you that think, well, you know, I I don't make enough right now, and, you know, whatever I have left, pastor, you know, that's going to go in the offering. He tells you which which 10% to give. Let's close Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It's a command. It's a command contained in the Bible. It's God's command. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Sharon and I have done this all of our married life. And God is blessed. We can testify to that. We're not rich. We don't drive big fancy cars and take world vacations. But we're richer than that. Understand what I mean? We're richer than that in so many ways. And I want those blessings on you as well. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.